you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the show, my family and friends. I think I hit that. I think we should do a survey where people uh, judge my uh, first intro singing. I love it. I, you know, I hate having to do it after 14 years, but I love when you guys come up to me at shows and you're like, The Chris Voss Show! And I'm like, ah, security, run, run away. Uh, I wear a Kevlar vest whenever I go to shows because of you people. No, I love you guys as an audience. You guys are the greatest audience in the world. Don't tell anyone I said that. You're the the Chris Foss show is the family that loves you but doesn't judge you. We've got to order the shirts for that one of these days. Uh, as always, uh, you know, we appreciate the five-star reviews you give us on the old iTunes there. You have to download the iTunes and put on there. Uh, but refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. We're putting out just amazing stuff. 14 years will be going on our 15th year uh what after september i think or august and uh i just feel old and tired which is all the more reason to further show your family and friends because i don't know i could be like neil pert i could kick off uh, from rush i could kick off any time now i'm 55 no i'm just kidding but the show will always go on because it's on Google. Uh, anyway, guys, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss. Uh, check out the big 130,000 LinkedIn group and the LinkedIn newsletter. That thing is crazy, man. Just grows like a weed. Like every day I go on there and I'm like, who the hell keeps subscribing to this thing? I didn't know there were that many people on LinkedIn. I wish. We're not quite there yet, but we're working on it. Uh, and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, today, we have an amazing gentleman on the show, uh, amazing guest, amazing mind. And as always, we only bring the best. We don't let anybody on this show. I don't know how I got on, but uh, oh, wait, I run the thing. That's how I got on. But uh, let me ask you this. You ever been going through your life and you reach a moment in your career where you notice that, hey, man, uh, my career's going okay, but I'm really unhappy. I went through this in my life. I grew up poor and I uh, made some money <laughs> and built a lot of companies, had the big house in the canyon, threw all the big parties of 300, 400 people. Uh, and I thought my life was great. And it was kind of like that stick song. As long as I'm buying, everyone's happy or whatever. And uh, But I was really miserable. And I built the life of my dreams of multiple properties in different states and multiple companies in different states. And I thought I was happy. Turns out I wasn't. And turns out I was a people didn't like me either, even though I was paying for all the drinks. Eh? Um, and so uh, sometimes we live in a scarcity mindset and we have a gentleman who's going to be talking about that and uh, how his relationships were terrible, his family suffered and how he overcame that. I think we've all kind of gone through that journey uh, as as people where we think that maybe money or success or careers or getting a wife and kids or a husband and kids or, you know, whatever that thing is, you know, okay, if we if we if we square this uh, this round thing, uh, we will have completeness and whatever. And we find that maybe the internals our problem, which was the internals with me and still with me. As anyone knows, I have problems and my psychiatrist says so. Uh, Jesse Fisco joins us on the show today. Uh, he is an amazing gentleman. He's created 
multiple seven-figure companies and runs them and has participated in raising capital, being an angel investor, and he's done multiple real estate transactions. Uh, he's uh, done... He, he found himself on the same journey that I just talked about where he was uh, doing his career, building companies and being unhappy and living a scarcity mindset and his family was suffering and he was suffering as well. I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, and then he did multiple reprograms and meditation and he's aligned his life through several changes and now he coaches and helps other people do that as well. Welcome to the show, Jesse. How are you? Hey, thanks so much for having me, Chris. And uh, wow, quite the introduction there. And I, I'm... Glad to hear that I'm not the only one that's been through some things in, in business and life. So you, you know, that's the beautiful part about stories, and that's one of the things that I love about the show, and I hope my audience always gets because we, we I plug it ad nauseum. But uh, stories are the owner's manual of life. And it's interesting when we open up and we start talking and sharing our stories and sharing our journey, how much we find that a lot of people are kind of on the same boat. Absolutely. And I think that there's a lot of vulnerability that – has to be shown there. But as you open up, you start to learn you're not alone, right? Yeah. And that there are resources out there to help you. And sometimes feel like you're floating on an island. But yeah, it's interesting if you change your perception, you may see that there's thousands of people on that same island. Yeah. And, and they can help. They have tools that help. And so we're going to talk about some of your tools today that helped you, that you're using to help other people. Give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs, please. Yeah, theemergecoaching.com. Um, or you can visit jessefisco.com as well. There you go. And uh, what do you do over there? Give us a 30000 over you. <laughs> hey, I help entrepreneurs create more time, more money, more fun in their business. And that is through practical, easy, scientific measures that are not like your typical affirmations and stuff. It's very detailed and you get very granular and you find a lot of opportunity and a lot of things about yourself you didn't know were possible. There you go. So let's do a hero's journey with you. Tell us your story. What was your upbringing? How did you get here? I know you're in uh, the real estate business and, uh, and a lot of other things. How did you get down this road? And, and tell us about what kind of reached that point with you and your family where you achieved stuff, but you were unhappy. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was uh, my wife and I started a real estate career. And what I found was through our real estate career, I was working and I liked to work and I became a workaholic. Like that mm. was really something I was you know, addicted to. And it was all based off an idea or something that I believed that I could go back in time and realize at the age of like seven or eight years old, my dad would say, in order to make more money, you need to work more hours. Right. <laughs> and that was something that he would ingrain and instill in his children. And so my dad would work 16 hours. Well, my dad also was, you know, heavily into drugs at that time. And that's what led to separation. And so this whole idea for me was like, I don't want to be like my dad, but then for whatever reason, that core program stuck with me. So, you know, fast forward a couple of years into the real estate business, I'm working 16, 17 hours. I'm like, nah, screw the family reunion. We're not going on a vacation. Five years into my life, I realized I haven't been on a vacation and I jumped in to work and be a entrepreneur in my own business but I was actually an employee in my own business. I was an entrepreneur. I was, you know, I was working. I was an employee. And so that's what ended up leading up to the point where my wife looked at me and she's like, hey, I don't know you and I don't think you know you. Wow. Kind of that, you know, dodgeball. I know you. I know that you know that I know you type of thing, right? <laughs> I know. I know that. Uh, I know that. And uh, the know yeah. you know me know that. So I know that as well. Yeah. It's just, kinda, <laughs> you know, funny. Just but piling on there. 
yeah, all this stuff. And I just looked at her. I was like, you're right. I don't even know myself. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. And I, at that point, was sitting there trying to figure out what the next steps were in my life. And mm-hmm. you know what was the most important. So as I got a little bit more detailed into what I wanted, I started looking for people to help me get there. And there noticed, once again, I wasn't on the island myself. I hired some guru that literally bends the mind and starts to get you to think and did a lot of hypnotic, uh, you know, visualizing what my life would be like if I could live my life without all the other ideas and thoughts that I thought were holding me back mm-hmm. and, uh, realize that. And you built a lot of companies over the time you built, you're in the real estate business. You're in several businesses uh, in multiple States. I think you're in uh, Utah and Tennessee a lot. Yes. Yeah. There you go. And then you've done some angel investing as well. Um, uh, you know, it's interesting to me, the mindset, and I saw this as I came up cause I grew up poor. I mean, we had welfare food in the, uh, from the Mormon church in, in my, uh, in my fridge. So I couldn't bring my friends over cause they'd be like, ah, your friend, your parents are on welfare. And, uh, they weren't always on welfare. They had, you know, that we had up and down times. We had a, a child that was born with uh, cerebral palsy, which cost, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So there were some, you know, financial issues that weren't. Of uh, uh, always of our making, um, but uh, you know it was one of those things. I grew up with a lot of lack, and I wanted stuff. And I I was born and raised in Hollywood, uh, so uh, my parents rented apartments there. So I I grew up seeing a lavish lifestyle and going, I want that. But then I grew up poor, and I'm like, how do I get to that part? And so I like you live my life where I f- try to fill in all those blanks. And I think a lot of people. You know, I used to have people come up and say to me, um, you know, I want to be like you, you know, you, you make enough money where you can do whatever you want and you have this, this freedom and I'm like, I don't have freedom. I I'm, I'm running a high wire that's way high up in the sky that I can't fall. I can't quit. I can't, I can't just step off and go someplace else and go, Hey, do you want to pay me X, Y, Z? <laughs> like, yeah, starting what? Um, and, uh, and I filled on the blanks, man. I had all the toys. I had a house, a giant house in the canyon full of ping pong table, foosball, air hockey, jacuzzi. I used to throw 400 people parties at my house and uh, in Utah. And boy, the cops were not happy. And uh, But I was still just miserable. And then I found Fight Club, and that movie changed my life. And, and some of what it talks about, you know, is we fill in the blanks as men or as people. And we go, uh, if I do this. You know, get the career, get the wife, get the kids, get the husband, get the kids, you know, all that stuff. I fill in the blanks, get all the details. I'll be fine. And then we wake up and we're just this person that's devoid of everything. We've, we've ignored the most important part of us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we find of anyone that comes through um, our little mastermind group is that very thing. They've got the checklist and they're like, on paper, I should be happy. But internally, I feel (laughs) seriously screwed up, right? And it's funny because what we do is as men, you know, we're the provider and mm-hmm. entrepreneurial men are built different. I don't care. Like you can convince me differently. It, you're not going to, because a lot of them come from, like you said, poor family. And it's a lot of this away from motivation. I want to get away from this crap. Mm-hmm. Right. And I want something bigger for myself. I want my kids, my wife. And we tell ourselves a story of all the reasons why we're doing what we're doing, mm-hmm. but ultimately there's a reflection of, 
I am a selfish individual. This is not because of anyone else. This is all because this is what I want. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge turning point for me. It was like, you know what? It's okay to be selfish. It's okay to admit that I'm doing this not for just my wife and kids, but I'm doing it for me personally. Mm. And, uh, you know, as people come through this group, that's what we start to find is they've lost themselves. And then we help them get back to, all right, I am a selfish individual. The things, uh, the reasons why I'm doing this is not for anyone else but me. Mm-hmm. And then we help them focus on what they want in their life. What, you know, what is the 100 things? If money wasn't an issue, if time wasn't an issue, what are 100 things you'd like to do with your life? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, not only things, but experiences. So, you know, maybe you get into the material and then you get into the experiences of what you'd like to do. There you and go. As you do that, it opens up new avenues. There you go. I'm still a selfish prick, though. I just study stoicism and and enlightenment and some of the things that you talk about in your stuff, uh, being in line with yourself. Uh, let's get into that. Do you find a lot of people... <laughs> Right now, my aunt's good. He is a selfish prick. Yeah. We're going to <laughs> uh, so there you go. He, there's a bit of narcissism there. Uh, and I, you know, I don't know. If you admit to being a narcissist, are you really a narcissist? I don't know. I'll, I'll talk to my psychiatrist later. He's working on the lobotomy for me, being scheduled. Um, so uh, one thing you talk about is uh, not being aligned with yourself. What does that mean? Because, because uh, uh, I don't know, you're one person, your one side of you is going one way. Does it my multiple personalities that are the problem or what is alignment? Yeah. I mean, I, it's one of those things. It's like, do you want to go to this event? Yes or no. Deep down mm-hmm. inside, you're like, no, I don't want to go, but you're still going. Right. What if you hate people? No, I'm just kidding. Hey, who knows? Like, Some but for do. me, it was like, do I want to participate in this? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes or no. And inside I'd be like, I don't really want to do that. But then I feel guilty, right? Oh. oh, well, if I say no to this event, then someone's going to be sad or someone's going to be frustrated or think I'm this or that. And there's no alignment. So then how can you be a leader if you're not aligned with what your vision is, your goal? That's true. Right? That's true. So, I mean, for me, like I meant, you mentioned the shoe wall when we were jumping on the show. Like, mm-hmm. for me, I've got these shoes back here and that is because it's aligned with who I am, right? Oh. But before I wouldn't buy any shoes to express myself, it would just be like very basic. I wouldn't buy Nike or Lululemon or anything like that because I was just trying to fit in. Mm-hmm. No, that wasn't who I was. There you go. Do you have any Payless shoes on the on that wall there? No, no Payless shoes. No way. <laughs> I grew up on Payless shoes, and my and my parents, God bless them, uh, they were working really hard. But we we got outfitted with uh, the deal was when I grew up, and, and this is kind of a Gen X thing. But the deal was. Uh, you got one pair of Payless shoes. You got to choose, and you tried to choose something close to the Adidas everyone had. Yeah, uh, they were big back then. And uh, and then you got two pairs of jeans and a couple shirts. Whatever Grandma gave you for shirts and socks, and then that was it for the year. You had to make that shit last, right? And uh, so I grew up just the same way. <laughs> Did I, you? Okay, yeah, there you go. Most of it came from uh, like a Savers, or they call it the DI here in Utah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the desert industries. I've been you'd there. find the best you could, and you'd wear it all year. There you go. Uh, and man, if you got those things dirty or scuffed, you know those uh, ten dollar, fifteen dollar shoes, whatever the hell they were. I think there were six back in my day. I'm old people. Uh, but if you guys tune into the video on YouTube, check that out. Jesse's got this wall, this beautiful wall. I can see some Nikes there. I'm at least I at least know what Nike logos look like. He's yeah. got a whole wall behind him of all of his shoes and. Uh, and his wife allows him to have that. Uh, 
So uh, you, you talk about being your authentic self. What, is that, what does that mean? Because that's, that's where I was really lost in, in not knowing who I was and, and focusing on, you know, I, I'd focused on so many worldly things. I'd left my pot empty of, of being a human being, and it's still pretty empty, but let's talk about what you find in the world. Yeah, I mean, being your full self. Like, we hear from Tony Robbins and all these motivational speakers about this imaginary flow state, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I want to be in flow because that's where all this amazing stuff happens. Well, you can't be in flow state if you're not being you. That's true. Like, what is flow state? I mean, you've got, whether you believe in a higher being or not, you've got these qualities, these gifts. I will call them a God-given, you know, gift of you as an individual. But if you're holding back from that, like, how are you supposed to be in a flow state or actually be the person you want to be if you're too busy hiding behind the curtain based off of everyone else's feelings and emotions and, and maybe even a feeling of undeserving. I, I don't deserve to be myself. Yeah. So I have a, an individual that came to our coaching and he's like, I feel that if I actually was the person I want to be, that the world wouldn't be able to contain me. And I'm wow. like, wouldn't that be cool if you could? Like yeah. how much and you more, can. Yeah. How many yeah. more people could you help that feel mm-hmm. the exact same way you do? But yeah. that was literally what he told me. And it was a, you know, a mind shocking moment of like this whole mastermind that we have. It's bigger than just, you know, helping people. It's helping people truly be aligned with what they want to help them get into that flow state, to have these ideas and the creativity and to allow themselves to realize there are no rules. There's no right from wrong. Granted, there's what the, you know, federal government will tell us is a law, mm-hmm. but whether or not you decide to wear a pink shirt or a yellow shirt, there's no right from wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, some people box themselves in that. They do. And, and I think a lot of people too, get stuck in the serve, serve role. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I've never had a wife and kids, but what I see from a lot of, uh, like we mentioned before with a lot of males and, and fathers is, is they're, they're in that provider protector role. And so they're usually busy trying to make money, go out there in the world and do stuff. I see women the same way nowadays. Um, I see a lot of mothers that get stuck, uh, being, um, you know, they don't take care of themselves. They're, they're, and, and, and God bless mothers. Um, but they don't take care of themselves. You know, mothers sometimes will eat last or they'll eat as, as they're cooking food for everyone else. You know, my mother was the same way. Uh, she was doing everything for her children. She's still that way. Uh, and, 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 and we get stuck in that mode and then we don't fill our own tanks. And then we end up burnt out. We end up frustrated. We end up angry. Uh, you know, then no one really likes us because <laughs> we're being horrible people, uh, which I still am. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it seems to be the callback joke for the show. How bad of a horrible person Chris is. But, uh, you know, that the journey to getting to that is something you help people do. You have a community over there as well. How do people uh, onboard with you? How do they, uh, can they reach out to you? How can they get to know you better and, and, and uh, get involved with what you're doing? Yeah, I've got social media, um, mm-hmm. you know, Jesse Fisco. You can literally Google search me with all the businesses that will trace you back to me some way, shape or form. Um, but Instagram is where I've been, you know, helping kind of create more of a following that way um, at TikTok. <clears throat> but uh, honestly, just shooting me a, a personal message too. Mm-hmm. I'm, happy to take a text message and talk to people as well. I'm, there you I'm, go. And it's that, you know, that sense of connection. I've had people text me at three in the morning and I can't guarantee I'm awake, but at times mm-hmm. I am. 
hey, I'll, I'll respond and engage in a conversation. They do that sometimes with my OnlyFans channel. No, I'm just kidding, people. I don't have an only. That's an OnlyFans joke. OnlyFans jokes they always pay off. Uh, what What are the things are you finding that people are struggling with? You talked about the flow state. We've talked about getting aligned and yeah. being your authentic self. Um, you talk about what if versus what if? What if? Yeah, I want to make sure I read that right. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, so we always have the people that go towards a negative. Um, you know, what if I do this? And what if this happens, this happens. And we can always list off the negatives, right? Mm. We were conditioned from children as a culture, as a society to look at the negative, what could happen. And there's mm. so many people that have this idea of like, man, what if I could actually do this, but then it's greeted by the negative. And so what we do through our coaching is we have a lot of people that come in, they're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then as they start to go negative, we're like, well, what if the opposite happens? Right. And you start to paint a different picture, starting to paint it into a more positive, you know, what if I join the Chris Boss show? And what if there's someone that's listening to this show that goes, This is exactly what I need, and they sign up for my coaching program. Mm -hmm. Right. As yeah. opposed to what if I get on the Chris Boss show and I uh, you know, make a total, you know, idiot out of myself talking. That's my know. job. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's my job. Of, <laughs> you know, that's the type of questioning. But it's condition we are conditioned as human beings to look at the negative. I yeah. mean, everything from the news to what you're seeing online, the things that resonate with us. I mean, there's a reason why murder podcasts are so high, right? <laughs> it's because we like that negative, but we need to condition ourselves to the higher and to the like elevated state of thinking bigger for ourselves because we have that capability. There you go. I think I've we've talked about this recently on the show, but I, you know, Tony Robbins used to do this thing um, where he talked about how one person can go into a party and they can see all the negative stuff and they can see all the people not having a good time, the people that are bored or maybe unhappy at the thing. And, and they're like, Oh, that was a horrible party. And then another person can go to the same party and they can see, you know, everyone having fun and they focus on the fun aspects of the party. And so they come away with two different experiences. And so uh, would you say that sometimes, you know, having a perspective where you're either looking for the good or the bad, you know, or your potential as opposed to, well, you know, I don't really want to succeed or have a big business because there's a lot of problems that come with it. And, you know, you're making excuses for why you don't want to go for it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I had lunch with a gentleman the other day and he's like, well, what if all this negative stuff happens? And I'm like, what if you could actually just work and like you could work two hours a day and then you could go to Disneyland or you could mm -hmm. with your family or do these things. What if you could do that? And yeah. he's like, well, I've never thought of it that way. And I'm like, it's because you're conditioned to think of negative. Like mm -hmm. even in the words, like a lot of people say, if I pay you a compliment and you're like, start to play this false humility of like, oh, you know what? I'm actually, you know, that's nice, but your, your shirt looks better than mine. Like it's just false humility. And that's yeah. what we've been tailored to do is to put ourselves down. Mm. And over time, the more we put ourselves down, do you believe that the unconscious mind or anything internally believes that we're worth or amount to anything? Not, not likely because we keep telling ourselves we're not. Why do you think people do that? Is it because maybe socially it's unacceptable to talk about money and success a little bit? Uh, I mean, you kind of bro culture if you are Facebook or certain places, but for the most part, people kind of frown on it, you know, trying to walking around pounding your chest is kind of frowned on in society where it's like, Hey man, don't, 
don't run around telling people you're bigger than they are because you'll probably upset their apple car and they'll be like oh my god i'm not as good or, you know whatever that why why do you think that is i'm just throwing a few examples out of you know i i, I don't have the answer but from my perception damn it I, jesse <laughs> you had the answer from my perception i believe it's because we don't see the value in ourselves right mm. as culture so when there someone's up there that does see the value it's either magnetizing and we're like i want to be like that person mm. or very much a turn off because we're like well this person thinks that he's egotistical or she like they yeah. think they're full of themselves when really like we're just negatively cultured to look at that and say well this guy's got to be a complete douche of an individual <laughs> when realistically that same guy that we perceive as a douche is actually you know buying a home for someone or doing amazing things but because they're a little bit more confident in themselves it, it becomes a self-reflection of, am I confident in me? It, it's not, it has nothing to do with the other person. There you go. And, and, and sometimes, uh, I don't know. I mean, people have a, I think you nailed it on the head. There's an empty vessel where maybe deep down, we don't feel that we're worthy of, of love, uh, of success, of, of money. And there's so many different powerful tools that come from being successful financially. I mean, you can give to other people, you can provide jobs to people, uh, you can improve people's lives. I know I've done a lot of charity in my time, uh, you know, and, and you can't do that if you're just trying to get by. Um, and, and so there's a lot of good you can do in the world. I mean, there's a lot of good you can do if you're not financially successful you can go volunteer and help with things and being a good human being that kind of helps but uh there's so much more you can do and and you and i had to go through those same sort of journeys of self going from being poor to suddenly identity of being successful and some people go through imposter syndrome i probably went through it when i was coming up um that or i was just i, I seemed to just always be fighting everybody who was trying to get in my way back in the brick and mortar days uh, it seemed like there was always somebody who was like trying to hold me back regulators, you know, different licensing and stuff. Uh, you know, there was always some battle you had to have. And then of course, you know, once you become successful, you're either suing people or they're suing you and you're having all sorts of court battles over stuff. It's like when you get rich, like court is just like the, the new war of, of what used to be medieval. But you know, you, 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 I think that's what the problem I had was the same you had. Once I became successful, I was like, who is this person, man? Who is this vessel that I'm wandering around with? And why is he so miserable and unhappy? And why are pretty much everybody around me so miserable and happy, even though I'm buying all the drinks? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I, I it reminds <laughs> me of the story. So we, uh, my wife and I, I'm like, you know what? I need something for me. I just mm -hmm. need something for me. So I went out and I bought a McLaren for those that are familiar with. Ah, there you go. Went out nice and bought car. the car. But then the minute I bought that car, I was like, it can't just be for me. It has to be for everyone else. Right. Oh. And so I started this idea of let's share this car with everyone of our clients. Right. Hmm. As a client appreciation. Hmm. Well, this car got destroyed. Oh, really? Right? Were you and renting it out to people or letting them drive it? I just let them drive it. And so, oh. one guy, you know, it goes too fast and crashes and i had to pay for a new front bumper and you know if someone else jumps in they break the handle on the door that's and mclarens are not cheap they're prone to break <laughs> like you know and those were things that i found that i was just frustrated the car what i thought was for me had become more of an issue and it would sit in the shop more than i was able to drive it and that was one of the things that i had to go back and reflect is why did i buy this car well mm -hmm. i couldn't share i couldn't drive this car 
and feel good and feel successful because I felt guilty. There was this remorse ah. here. And so there was that imposter syndrome of like, I can't, I can't show it. I've got to provide it to other people. And I found that with myself too, is I had, I would throw massive, massive client appreciation events. We're talking $10,000 events for, you know, 200 people and we're just spending a ton of money. And then one day I woke up and all that money's just gone. Yeah. And it's like, it's because I felt guilty of having mm. that. And it was that internal, like you can't be successful or you're going to piss someone off. And what it came down to is looking in the mirror and saying, well, no, you can be successful and you can still be a good person, but you don't have to give everything away. You know, you, you made me uh, realize something I had an epiphany on that, you know, every now and then, this is how I learn stuff that I have people on the show. Uh, I learned probably more than my audience. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I talked about the big parties I used to throw. Yeah, and you know when we had big companies, we had acting and modeling agency with about four hundred people in it. We had thousands of employees uh, over the years. Um, you know, so like half the town of Salt Lake knew me at one point, and uh, in the early two thousands and uh, late nineties, uh, early two thousands, and so I would throw huge parties at my house about every three months, and like it would be two hundred to four hundred people until the cops finally said enough of that and uh the parties just kept getting bigger and bigger and i'd throw them constantly and then after the cops shut it down i'd have uh, we'd have private uh parties of small uh, after parties after club stuff and i go to clubs all the time but a lot of times i was it, it, i was throwing these parties seeking approval yes. for from people and i've kind of had an epiphany that that's what i was doing i was trying to buy all my friends i was trying to fill this void um, you know, I was single having a good time. Uh, but I was, I was trying to get everyone to love me and like me and the parties would be over and I'd just be like, you know, the next morning after everyone's gone, I'd just be like, well, okay, well I'm alone again. <laughs> and then after a few months, I'd be like, let's throw another party. But, uh, you know, I throw these huge parties and we'd spend tons of money, Dom Perignon, uh, and, uh, just craziness. And then, uh, every now and then the cops, uh, going, uh, there are people parked half a mile down your house, uh, from your house that are going to your party. I, at one point they shut down like two lanes. I used to, my house is an old mill. If you know, old mill, they're the yeah. reservoir. And, uh, so they would shut down, the cops would shut down like both ends of the street there and, uh, start diverting traffic away. Um, and, uh, and, but I was, I was trying to fill a void. And I would go shopping and buy shit, and I I would just I just feel like there was this empty void that I just never could fill, and now I realize that's probably what I was doing the, that whole time, and until I got good with myself and started going, you know, who is this being that I've been dealing with for all these years, and what the fuck is he about, and why don't we just calm the fuck down and quit trying to, you know, I, the Fight Club was a real big thing for me because it was like we buy things to impress people and don't give a shit anymore, you know. No one gave a crap about my big house. No one gave a crap about my big parties. No one gave a crap about my BMWs and right. all that stuff. In the end, they didn't care. And I'm like, well, so why am I doing this? And that journey, you know, led me to where I'm at to now, a, an empty vessel at 55. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a, a process and learning the intention behind it. But I mean, I could go deep and say that most of the stuff that's happened from us is what we experience from the ages of five to nine years old. And uh -huh. it's just a hybrid, right? It's just uh, like it's continued to evolve over time as we've experienced life differently from mm -hmm. but it's the same filter. It's like a program on a computer. You know, mm -hmm. imagine 
running a Windows 98 with nowadays, we're like way far in advance, right? Or if you're cruising around with the original iPhone versus now the 14, night and day difference. But a lot of us have that same program in our minds from the ages of five to nine years old. And it's because we've never really gone inter- internally to reset or upload a new one. There you go. And sometimes we're haunted by childhood trauma. Yes. There's a lot of people have that. And, uh, you know, the sad part about life is, uh, more people should get psychiatry at a younger age. Like I, I have people that, what would you go back and tell your 16 year old self? Go, go see a fucking psychiatrist, man. Uh, and they're like, always oh, surprised by that. They're like what? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I should have, you, I want to, God, if I could go back and sit down and, and talk about stoicism, get hand myself meditations by uh, Marcus Aurelius and, you know, Seneca and, and, uh, uh, and different things, uh, a good psychologist to go, Hey man, you grew up with a kind of messed up childhood. You grew up with lack and you want to go to here here's here's you know what you need to change your mindset but sadly you know a lot of people don't wait they wait until they're at a crisis point right and that's probably where people reach out to you you know they're at that crisis point they're at that dichotomy or wherever where they're like i'm living one life and 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 i'm someplace else yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. a lot of them reach out at that crisis moment which is too late already you know like you're at the point where like i I can't do this anymore. I'm either going to quit my job. I'm going to, you know, my Mm. empire I built, I'm going to walk away from, or they're talking about walking away from this earth in general. Like, Mm. and it's easy to say, you know, for me, like I was never at that point in my life. Right. But then the reality hit that I was, and I had been in Mm. that point for years. So like you mentioned a psychiatrist, I, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I'm, I can definitely coach and help from different standpoints. And our models go into business as well. Mm. Like, you know, like we had an epiphany the other day. Is like every time we send a text message to our team, it takes two, two or three people out of their quote unquote flow state. And so yeah. we've got to update this and make a tweak and, and make those changes. But those are things in business or like, you know, if we're going to sell our business to a, you know, an exit of $250 million, which is what we're hoping to do with our real estate company, we've got yeah. to document everything. Yeah. So then we go into the, you know, the, what do we need to do differently to help everyone feel, you know, resourceful? And then also what do we need to do to document? And so it mm-hmm. becomes, this like business and mind, mind, like creation that allows people once again to have more time, more money, more fun. Yeah. I, and you help entrepreneurs specifically. I mean, entrepreneurs we're we're kind of in that same mindset. Like I talked to before, you know, the, the provider male, uh, the, uh, the the mom who takes care of everything, we're so busy trying to run everything 24-7. I did the same thing you did where I, I really burn out. I wasn't taking vacation for years. Um, I started taking weekend vacations uh, just whenever I wanted and getting away for weekends. And so I started filling in the blanks. But I really didn't take care of myself because you have that fear that, you know, if I leave my business, you know, if I don't delegate, uh, you know, the stuff won't get done right. It'll crash, you know. Yeah. And you're so used to that kind of hamster wheel mindset where you're like, I just need to do a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then all, and, and you're just fried at both ends of the stick. And, you know, I used to, I, I reached a point where I would, I would be like, can I have a dream that isn't about the business I'm doing the next day? Like I would have dreams about, about what I was going to do the next day, who was going to fire, what meetings I was going to have. Like it was insane. And every now and then I have a meeting about, I don't know, brown eyed girl or 
or uh, I don't know, beach. And uh, I'd be like, holy crap, that was really nice. But I mean, it was so invasive. It was taking over my dreams. It was taking over, was taking over everything. Eat, breathe, sleep, business. I wasn't taking any fun time out for myself. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. Uh, I mean, I had the epiphany a couple months ago. If I wanted to take a three-month sabbatical for my business, mm-hmm. what do I need to change? And mm-hmm. one of the things was it needs to start now. So that day I said, okay, I'm shutting it all off. My phone goes off. My team operates. And we did that. The feedback was phenomenal. They're like, I actually feel like you're not micromanaging. And I learned <laughs> that I was, you know, I was a bottleneck in my own business. Yeah. And yeah. so... After taking that feedback, I'm like, great, I trust you guys. You know, a, a transaction that was going to make $13,000 that was kind of rocky, they figured it out. And mm-hmm. so it's still closed. So the next week I said, hey, let's all jump in the car on a Sunday afternoon. We drove, we're nine hours away from California. I took my family to Disneyland for a week and didn't answer my phone once. There you go. Right. There you because go. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like I wanted to jump in and go somewhere and have the money and have the freedom. And that's what I realized I needed to start working towards, right? There you go. And so I got to go live that dream as opposed to just dreaming about it. There you go. You know, uh, you should check out this book. We had an author on recently, Wayne M. Zell, who's a big CPA and attorney. And it was called the Your Multimillion Dollar Exit. Uh-huh. And he talks about how to plan uh, for uh, turning over businesses and selling them. Just a plug there if you yeah. if you want to check it out. But, uh, you know, you're, you're right. Everything has got to be prepared. You've got to have a team in place that can... They can take over, uh, you know, that people are going to look for in the exit and stuff. And a lot of entrepreneurs don't build for an exit. I mean, I never really thought about that until somebody came on a show when I was somewhere in my 50s. And I was like, what? I was built for empire. And which is a great way to burn yourself the hell out, especially doing something you don't love. Most of my companies I never really loved. I loved them as my children. But I didn't love some of the industries I was in because I was more of an investor. Mm-hmm. And I love being CEO of anything. I'll work for free if I put CEO on my card and I can innovate and create. I mean, I love right. that part of it. But uh, really, my podcast is about the only thing I've ever fallen in love with. And I love talking to people. I love learning from people. I love going on a journey. You know, And I do that in my private life. I ask people, what, 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 so what's going on with you? Who are you and where are you going? I'm sick of myself. I don't want to hear any more about me. Um, other than good jokes, I can set up using me as a punchline, uh, which is what this callback joke has been on the show. Um, what else have we touched on? What are the, what are the things are you, um, are helping people with or finding that entrepreneurs are really struggling with? Um, you know, it's a great question. There, there's so many. And I think the last thing I would hit is rewarding yourself for your accomplishments. That's mm-hmm. the number one thing that you could start doing right now that would start to change your perception and your reality. I mean, mm-hmm. Mention the shoe wall, right? There you go. Every time I close a a real estate transaction or I get a new client, anytime I generate and make money, I'm buying a freaking pair of shoes. There you go. Note to self, get a shoe wall. There you go. Get a shoe (laughs) wall. But the thing is, is like it's become this ongoing. I didn't know why. I just said, I'm going to start doing this and rewarding myself. Well, you know, first time I bought a pair of shoes for myself, the next month I had a massive growth in my business. Wow, And it was because it was like, I gave myself permission to accept the fact that I'm doing something, you know, that a lot of people won't do. And it doesn't even matter what they're thinking. I'm doing something I didn't think was capable for myself, which was taking care of me. So then it started to go up and up and up. And then there was one month I said, I'm going to change. I'm going to buy sunglasses. Mm. And it wasn't motivating enough. My business the next month, absolute garbage. (laughs) 
no excuse, no reason why. But it was like I found something that really motivated me. Mm-hmm. And it's like a dolphin in, in a pool. Every time the dolphin does a trick, he gets a fish. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and the dolphin will learn more tricks over and over and over again every time you give him a fish. And before you know it, you have an entire show. And that's mm-hmm. what I've lived my my whole reward system off of is every time I do this, I get a pair of shoes. And there are months where I have, you know, a shoe a day come into my house. And it's gotten to the point, like we joke about the shoe wall. It's getting to the point where I've got to find that next motivator because I'm going to get out of my house in my own shoes, right? So There you go. But well, I see an empty wall behind you. So yeah, that, that's uh, the next one. <laughs> but, but this is, you know, things like that. Start rewarding yourself. I had an entrepreneur come through and he was like, I got to buy a $200 microscope. I need to buy this for myself. And he told me a story. He said, I walked in and uh, I walked back out of the store. I couldn't do it. And he's like, and I told myself, how stupid is this? It's a $200 item. So then he walks back in again. And then he walks out and he's like, I just felt like I didn't deserve it. And then he wow. walked in and bought it. And he's like, oh my gosh. And now he's consistently rewarding himself and his business has grown. Mm-hmm. His happiness has grown. And he's like, I see like just from that small little action right there and piece of encouragement, he's like, I see the whole value of this group. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's unlocked a lot for him. And that's all it takes is to just start recognizing yourself for your accomplishments. Yeah. Some, your life. Taking space for yourself, rewarding yourself. Uh, you know, that, that was the thing, you know, I was buying all this stuff to impress people. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, it was a famous fight club line. You know, uh, we buy things to impress people who don't give a shit. <laughs> and, you know, I'd have people that say to me, why do you need to own all this? Why do you need to do all that? And I'd just be like, well, I uh, did it to impress people. And, right. and then I started going, I want to impress myself. Uh, yes. And what do I really like? And, I don't need to run around trying to get people's approval and, uh, and focus on, and what I always counsel uh, entrepreneurs uh, to is to find something you love doing. It makes all the difference in waking up every morning. It makes all the difference in, in what you do if you have a passion for it. And I think what you've done is you've kind of found some different ways to reward yourself that uh, reward your passion, the passion that you have. And by doing so that, that, put you in that flow state where um you know if you're just connected to yourself really yeah absolutely i feel yeah. more connected i'm driving the vehicle i want to drive without mm-hmm. any worry about what other people think yeah. and then you know someone says oh my gosh i like your shoes instead of like downplaying it's like thank you yeah thank you just move on yeah there you go you take the worry and the stress out of your life and create a life that you want to live and it really doesn't matter if someone else thinks that your life is wrong or not because there is no right or wrong yeah it's, it's, what's it's right is what's right for you. There you go. It's like a fight club again. You know, people don't give a shit. Like I, there are people that I still know who walk around life and they really think people are like, like, like half the neighborhood sitting around going, what is Bob doing today? Oh my yeah. God, we should, we, you know, like they're spending all their goddamn time focused on you yeah. and, and they really don't give a shit. Like they're just like, I don't, there's a Bob in the neighborhood. And, you know, we live that life of, you know, keep up with the Joneses, fear of missing out. We've got to fit in and do what everybody else does. And, you know, uh, and, and sometimes it's like, hey, man, just make yourself happy. Find your journey. Find, find your purpose in life. I think that's a, that's a big thing for people. They don't really find their purpose. They think that, okay, uh, if I adopt these social 
constructs of, okay, I get a wife and kids. Am I happy now? And I'll be happy. If I get a business, I'll be happy. If I get the career, I'll be happy. If I get the next job promotion, I'll be happy. If I get next more money this year, I'll be happy. You know, it, we're always putting off that happiness when really we just need to maybe be happy and reward ourselves now, pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, or know exactly what makes us happy and then go do that. Uh, thing. Yeah, right? that helps too. If we don't have a map of what makes us happy, yeah. we're just going off of someone else's map, well, no wonder we're miserable. Exactly. And that's what a lot of people do. I That's why people have midlife crises. I remember growing up when I was young and I was like, there's this midlife crisis thing that guys go through. How do I keep from having that? Like, I don't want to live my life where I wake up at 40 or 45 and, you know, suddenly I'm buying red sports cars. Like, I, I just soon buy the red sports car now. <laughs> Go purple <laughs> and and live that life. And so I wanted to live a life where I wouldn't go through a midlife crisis, a burnout. I've gone through a lot of epiphany moments and a lot of learning over the years. You know, the, the interesting thing about being fifty is you. I'm fifty five now, but around fifty, you wake up and you kind of look back and you go, "Jesus, that's a mess I left behind." Okay, I I think I see that some psychological problems I have. So it's best not to wait until then. You know, when you're on the downside of a marriage or you're getting divorced because you're, you've are you been unhappy and a miserable person to be around um, and everything else and, and try and do preventative care, if you will, now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mentioned earlier in the show, my wife said, I don't know who you are and I don't think you know who you are. Mm. And fast forward a couple of years and she's like, man, you are a different you and I like that a lot. There you go. Right. And it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you revive your relationship because you start focusing internally you clean out your inner vessel first right like mm -hmm. here in utah is a very spiritual state and that's something that they pump in the bible a lot is clean out your inner vessel well you got to go internally first and then everyone will start to love the wine you pour there you go uh, that's a great saying uh you know it's it's it, it, what, what's inside of us is and filling that tank is so important um, because if we have that right, then everything else seems to fall into place. But if we're just building a structure on sand uh, and we're not taking care of the foundation of who we are, you know, uh, we're just we're just building stuff that can get knocked over very easily. And I've gone through some cathartic times in my life where I think we all have where, um, you know, I found that sometimes I built the wrong way and it's time to go back and go, Hey, we need to redesign that. So, and it's a great way for people to reach that moment of thought and reach out to you. Uh, so tell us how, again, how people can do business with you and reach out to you and uh, get involved in your programs. Yeah. You can learn more about me at jessefisco.com or you can visit the emerge coaching.com mm -hmm. and that will get you connected with me. Uh, you know, we can have an exchange via Voxer, as well, you can add me at jfisco371 on Voxer. Just send me a message, and uh, we'll engage that way as well. It's uh, really easy to get in contact with me. There you go. Thanks for coming on the show, Jesse. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Chris, for having me. It's been a phenomenal time. There you go. Lots of learning and stuff that people can do, whether entrepreneurs or human beings or just working in careers. You know, uh, there's something better than being happy in life and doing what you love and loving what you do. And maybe you just don't love what you do because you're unhappy on the inside and sometimes you know you awaken and you go 
wow, I actually can find ways to love what I do and enjoy this this process like we talked about with the party. Uh, so thanks so much for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, youtube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, linkedin.com, Fortress Chris Voss, all those crazy places we're on the internet. Thanks so much for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time. And that should